welcome to the Happy Teacher Pod. Um, today you will notice we've got our first guest speaker, which we're very excited about. Um, hello. Um, so this is Emma. Emma is uh, the founding director of um, MTPT Project, so that's Maternity Teacher, Paternity Teacher Project. Um, it's the UK's only parent teach charity. Um, I've got the honour of being the very recent policy officer for this charity as well, so it's uh, very close to my heart. Um, it provides, Emma will tell you a lot more, but it provides um, support for pregnant and expectant staff. It provides um, coaching during parental leave, uh, return, to work, return to work workshops, um, and they are kind of at the forefront for how to create life friendly schools. So hopefully, Emma, I've done that somewhat of a justice and then you can obviously make it all better and tell, tell us all a little bit more. Um, but yeah, so that's what the charity is and we're very excited to be hearing from Emma. Yeah. Um, do, right. do yourself down a little bit, Jenny. You, you have you you are the policy officer now, but you were the Kent rep for a very very long time and chapter author for our books. So you've been you've been around for ages with us. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, getting on a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we love it. The authors are in the building as well. Love that. <laughs> love that for both of you. Um, so we usually um, do a break time banter slot right at the beginning mm. and um, before the podcast we asked Emma to try and think of, um, because Emma you were a teacher for uh, long? 12 years, yeah. For 12 um, years, so she definitely yeah. has some stories I am sure. Um, <laughs> so we asked her to think of something, a funny story from her time in teaching, um, so I'll pass over to Emma. Quite, quite a sweet one that I thought of and um, Jenny said you know if it links to, to the episode then um, that's great um, and obviously being the MTPT project um, founder I'm, I'm the baby lady when it comes to education and in my former school my most recent school I did take two periods of, of leave and when I first joined the school it was um, sort of two years into academy handover mm. so we were in that sort of challenging um, some of the year groups remembered the previous school and the previous uniform and they didn't like any of the teachers and then we were trying to um, get the new branding in essentially the new culture and ethos of the school and so it was it was a it was a fun fun place to be at that time and um, lots of positive challenges and uh, lots of um, challenges um, and I had um, I had um, uh, a year the year nine, they came to me in year nine. They were with my trainee in year eight and they came to me. Is that true? No, they were with me in year nine. They went to my trainee in year 10. And uh, one of the boys, let's call him George, not his name, um, but he um, he and I had a very, very fractious relationship. Um, really, really difficult. Um, lots of sort of parents coming in, pointing the finger directly at me for all the, the problems, lots of sort of rubbing each other up the wrong way. And we didn't really um, seem to be able to find a way past it. And when I um, was pregnant with my son, um, the school was still very challenging and there were sort of moments at the classroom where despite being lovely pregnant, you know, nobody, nobody cared in the classroom in that particular class. And, um, and it, was, it was quite a stressful, stressful period with that, that particular group and he made my life miserable. When um, I, <laughs> just before I went on leave, a couple of the boys in that class were asking me what you're gonna call the baby because I knew it was a boy. And I jokingly said, yeah, I'm going to call it George. I think at that point I was just so um, sort of my sense of humour was so dry because I was so over that class that I was just happy to to be ridiculous. And, you know, he was like, that's ridiculous. You're not going to call it George. Why are you saying that this? 
and <laughs> got really sort of like suspicious and didn't and I was like no 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 George is George is one of our top top names for, for our son and then I went on leave came back again for a couple of kit days and saw him and he was so happy to see me obviously absence does make the heart grow fonder but it was almost almost creepy um and I bought my son in for, for the kit day he said oh is that your baby what did what, what what's his name and I was like George we called him we called him George and he was like no no you didn't and I was like I no, I was serious the whole time. This is baby George. And so all the teachers that were around me played along with it. And they're like, yeah, isn't he cute, baby George? And the kids just weren't quite sure whether I was joking or not. And had I really called this baby after, you know, called him the same name. And for, for a little while, every time he saw me, he was like, not really, baby George. And I was like, yeah, yeah, baby George, my favourite, favourite name. <laughs> and eventually he knew that my son was called Hugo, but I would continue to refer whenever I was in front of him to to baby George until he was in year 11. Um, it did wonders for our relationship. I don't know, maybe he just didn't think I had a sense of humour before that. Um, and that showed him the slightly weird side of, that we both had. And he, I think he left year 11 being, you know, Miss Shepherd. She was best teacher ever, best English teacher, best teacher in the whole school, maybe the world, you know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> So why wouldn't why wouldn't I name my son after what became my biggest fan? Um, Isn't that like often the teacher dilemma anyway of the like what to call your your children? Mm. Like, you can't call them a name. I know. That, sorry, this is a bit off topic, but you can't call them a name where you've had a child that's like really naughty at school that's got that yeah. same name. So um, like for me, like what our, my, our second we called her Evie. And me and my husband both had taught an Evie, uh, just one in our whole like teaching career. And we were like, oh, she was like the loveliest ever. Like, you know, it's fine. You know, Evie's a good name. And then I went to my new school and God, there was a vile Evie in the group. And I was just like, oh no. I was like, what have we done? (laughs) We've now like, given her a name that like I've now I'm now teaching this child and she ended up having like managed move and everything and I was like oh my god I've got my child this name yeah it's one of those still ball Jenny what did you name your child after the caretaker so obviously I'm a old school not just that I obviously put a lot of research into everything that I do but um so yeah my (laughs) eldest child's called Ted um, and yeah, one of the caretaker that Roxy and I work with was called Ted. And I remember telling him because I left that school when I was quite heavily pregnant. You're one of the reasons I'd call my child Ted because I think you're pretty Aww. awesome. Because I just think he just gave me so much wisdom. He was just this amazing guy. It's amazing. Awesome, awesome I remember thinking if my unborn child becomes like 55 year old Ted or whatever age he was, I've no idea. I was like, I'll be a happy woman. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I love that story, Emma. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so today we've got, oh well, Jenny has come up with four questions for you um, because obviously we wanted to ask you about um, being a happy teacher, but within mm. kind of like parental role. Now we're all parents, um, but there will be obviously teachers that are not parents that, you know, will become parents, you know, and they, they kind of have these questions that they don't really have the answers to. And actually even thinking back to having my children, I wish I'd had more support on that side of things of like teachers that had had children and like the kind of flexible working I mean we've spoken about this already Jenny like the, yeah, the yeah. 
love to have flexible working, but I've never felt like it's possible. Um, and, you know, Jenny's always like been the advocate. I mean, for years now, since I've known her for um, having, you know, what did you say, like a life what do you call it? Oh, it's Emma's terminology, but like life-friendly schools. Yeah, life-friendly school. Like, I love that. Life-friendly school, um, which I don't necessarily feel is always the case, um, unfortunately, um, in teaching. So, um, Jenny, you wanted to, did you want to start off with the first question? Well, yeah, but what I was going to say, I think I totally forgot in the uh, beginning of the episode to say what the episode was called, which would make sense for why we were... Uh, I was just so excited to have Emma, I forgot to say what the episode's called. So... This episode is meant to be entitled, it'll be in the show notes, it'll be in the headers, um, but how do life-friendly schools lead to happy teachers? So mm. each episode we've got happy teachers in the title, it's all, you know, very much teachers with a scheme of work, our overarching focus, um, but yeah, how do life-friendly schools lead to happy teachers? So with that in mind, um, my first question was um, thinking about anyone that's applying for a new role in a new school, say, um, what advice would you give him or her to ascertain whether this prospective new school is life friendly? Yeah, um, I think you can get a lot from stepping foot in a school and having a tour. And a lot of schools are really happy sort of pre-application to, to meet potential applicants, to give them a tour around, to, to chat to them, to answer any of their questions. Schools that potentially aren't happy to do that, that's already already yeah. a red flag. <clears throat> and that might be because they're, you know, brilliant schools, but frankly, run ragged, don't have the capacity, um, or there might be health and safety reasons that might make them hesitant to have um, people on site that don't need to be on site. Um, so that, that can give you a sort of um, flavour already about the openness of the school and transparency and what they're willing to, to show you. And obviously, once you can, can see during the school day, if you can do a visit during the school day um, and you can see what that school is like, um, you know, through not, not after school hours or not on an open evening, then um, it gives you a, a pretty good idea of <clears throat> what type of school that you're, you're stepping into. If staff look happy, if learning looks purposeful, and I mean, all the good things that you would look for in, in just an, an effective school environment. Mm. But more than that, you can you can have a look at things like demographics, like how old are the, the staff that are working there um, in different positions of leadership? What who are you seeing at different points? Um, you can drop a couple of comments, you know, if you want to about oh, my son just goes to school just down the road, see if that opens up any interesting conversations, yeah. if you want to sort of probe a little bit there. You can ask questions about about leadership, about working patterns. You know, do you, do you have any staff who work part time or flexibly or, um, you know, have, do you have staff that have their own families at like what's what's how does that work in terms of their workload and their balance? How how would you say that your staff fare? Um, because obviously you're not not employed by them yet, you're not at interview stage. So that's really sort of um, everybody's cards are on the table to have that conversation. And then once you've had that half an hour window with whoever it is that is designated to, to walk you around, um, you can you can make your decisions about whether the vibe was good or, or not. Mm, no, I I totally agree with you, and I I think asking those questions on a more casual level when you're kind of like viewing the school sometimes is easier than you know when you're at interview level and that it's kind of like pressured and you don't feel like maybe you can kind of ask those types of things mm -hmm. so I definitely feel like on a school viewing that would be the best place to kind of try and gather information gather um mm -hmm. 
does a lot that, of. <laughs> that reminds me when I was looking at schools actually. So I I did a kind of information gather thing and I took it to the next level. So I not out of not out of choice, but I just couldn't <laughs> get childcare for my three year old, and my three year old was exclusively wearing um what was he wearing Spider Man swimsuits in the day. Um, so I went round the school with a three-year-old dressed in a Spider-Man swimsuit and flip-flops because that's all he would wear um, and they were great <laughs> so yeah I was quite willing to put an application there I was like you get it you get it. Is that where you <laughs> your job? Um, it's not my current job but it is a school that I did look around and I was very happy with. Yeah okay no I mean, that, that makes a massive difference. That I they mean, the, the problem is, I'm just I'm just thinking about the practicalities of what I'm saying. I imagine, Jenny, that you were able to do that because you were already working part time or flexibly somehow that gave you that yeah. um, ability to go during the working day. So for, for colleagues who are already working full time, that's more problematic. Um, mm. But you've, that if you if you network locally and, and there are lots of networks like Women Ed, like the MTPT project, we have local networks um, that you know, subject specific networks. You, you often hear about the school and you hear either positive reputations or, or negative reputations. And, and once you start having those conversations, you see who is already happy and, and who is sort of trying to escape their school. Um, so, I, I mean, it's, this kind of like brings it back more into like when you're actually at the school. But our second question was, what advice would you give to anyone listening that is thinking of starting a family? So like when you're already at a school, you're thinking about starting a family, like what kind of advice would you give them in terms of um, of doing that? I think um, to be really, really frank from the get go, there are real um, differences in gendered approaches to family planning. So um, a lot of uh, women tend to get their ducks in a row or start to think about what that plan is going to look like far earlier than the men. I mean, if we want to be really crass, which is it's not the case, but, you know, we, we have a lot of jokes about men realising that they're going to become fathers once the baby arrives and, and you know, mums, expectant mums sort of doing all that preparation. Um, and, and the research does suggest that women leave before they leave. So they start um, putting limits on their occupational mobility or their progression because they think that it might not necessarily be compatible with a child at some point in the future, even if that that child isn't even you know thought of yet. So um, my first my first encouragement would be that a, a baby is going to fall into whatever life you provide for them, um, and if you are happy and fulfilled professionally and personally in that life, then baby is going to be happy and fulfilled. If you are feeling resentful or bored or as if you're not being challenged sufficiently or as if you let opportunities pass you by for whatever reason and, and, and you know, partly maybe because you thought, oh, I can't be X and a mom or I can't be Y and a mom or if I'm a mom, I won't be able to then and that resentment is going to last a, a lot longer um, and sort of stew. So just really encourage um, women in particular to to take the professional opportunities that, that appeal to them and um, be safe in the knowledge that baby will come when baby comes, if if baby comes. Um, but also for, for expectant fathers and non-birthing partners, just the idea that parenting can be equal and a lot of our um, unequal traditional models can be challenged and there are options of um, you know, starting from the get-go as an equal partnership if you are in a partnership when you're, when you're starting a family or thinking of starting a family and not necessarily you know um, resigning yourself to the fact that 
you'll get two weeks paternity leave and, and then have to go back and be the breadwinner. Actually, there can be a different way. And if you have an a vision of what you want family life to look like, then then do the research and make it happen in the way that you want it to. I wish, like I'd wish I'd known these things when I was going on maternity leave because I definitely went down the very traditional kind of, you know, I took I took I took a year, I came back, I was full time. My husband took two weeks, like literally, we just done it like not necessarily because we wanted to do it like that, just because we didn't really know any different, didn't even know that something different could exist um I did see with Jenny that obviously um she took a different like kind of route completely um which I think quite nicely leads on to our third question but Jenny did you want to because obviously this links to kind of your more more about your experience of being yeah so I did shared parental leave so I had that I had some time at the beginning and then um, my husband had some of the time and um, it also meant that I kind of went back during the holidays and managed to kind of obviously get a bit more um, time off um, with my second maternity leave as well um, but so I guess what I was thinking about was shared parental leave so thinking about both both um, people in, in the relationship here and I was thinking many of our listeners you know might be currently on shared parental leave and uh, maybe struggling with the change of pace uh, maybe worried about their return to work um, so I was just wondering what advice you have for those people, whether you know, male or female. Or I think um, talking is great. <laughs> Reaching out and actually articulating your your feelings or your emotions with with colleagues, with family members, with with friends, with the MGPT Project Network. We're we're really really friendly, um, and just saying I'm I'm feeling this way. Um, and I think you know you will if you if you voice it, you will find people who. Are feeling the same or have had the same experience or and have, have come out the other end or have you know taken certain decisions about that um because you you can do your leave your your way there's, there's no rule book dictating what you have to do on your leave how high paced or low paced your leave needs to be the the deciding factor will be your body um particularly your potentially sleep deprived body and and your baby's physical and emotional needs but as, long, as long as those things are are met then you know we've we've had colleagues who have absolutely loved their their leave doing phds we've had colleagues who have got to the end of a year and then thought, thought oh yeah going back to work better better think about that now because they've you know enjoyed just completely being away from their professional identity so whatever works for you do it um, and if you're sort of in a bit of a conflictual state or an unsure state um, voice it talk about it ask people um, and and find somebody who will, will listen um, I think one of the most upsetting things for me when I started the project was that um, what I wanted to do with my leave so I wanted to keep my brain active I really like structure I find life without structure really um, hard on my mental health Actually, like that's that's the the raw uh, deal of it. Um, I really like learning. I really like going to exciting places and meeting people and seeing things. And I found that the the, the narrative around motherhood <clears throat> was incredibly restrictive and limiting. When I was voicing things like I'd really like to sort of research this attrition figure with women aged 30 to 39, I was being told, you know. You don't have time for research or you know what's what's why aren't you looking after your baby or you know what are you doing it wrong 
And I felt I felt strange. I felt like a weirdo. I felt like a freak. And actually, it wasn't until and it was a horrible feeling, you know, like maybe I'm doing a bad job of this whole mother thing because I want my brain to still be active in the way that I am used to having my brain active. Um, and it wasn't until I found other people who who were doing similar things that I was like, oh, there are there are others like me in the world. I'm not I'm not strange. I'm not a completely isolated case. I'm not a bad mum, actually. Did you did you find that anyone in your school that you were in had done what you wanted to do before you? Because I think for me, listening to you, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. But actually, I think if I think back, the position that I was in is uh, there were not many staff in my school that, that had actually had children at all. Like none of the SLT had children. Um, and so for me it was like I'd never seen it before so in my head it was like nope you standardly take this amount of time my husband gets this amount of paternity leave and that's that kind of thing so did you find that you got those ideas from someone else that you'd seen it from or you just wanted it that way and so you kind of researched it yourself so actually role modeling was was is still a real issue for our for our whole community and that was definitely the case with me um as I mentioned it was like recently taken over as an academy yeah Um, so quite quite a young staff base or a sort of inherited staff base that were then having second thoughts about staying and and therefore moving on. So lots of turnover Um, at the time. It became really stable by the time by the time I left. Mm. But but the fact is change is hard on on schools and um, it is hard on staffing. Um, So when I was there, there were two colleagues who were about to come back. There was a colleague who was off. Mm. they were there were sort of two middle leader colleagues that were off and there was teaching colleagues that were just about to come back and um, I was only in the school about a year maybe no a year before I went on leave so I joined in yeah. January which was a weird time to join anyway mm. um, but it just meant that we were sort of crossing each other not having the chance to share experiences not knowing each other well enough to, yeah. to you know have that bonding um, conversation um, and and by the time I came back from leave of sort of four staff members who had potentially sort of overlapped, yeah. I was one of two who stayed. And um, the other colleague who, who stayed, she dropped part time and, and was um, very much in a mindset that her, her logistics, her context, she was traveling a very long way and her husband was a pilot, worked away. She was finding it really, really, really hard work. Um, so... So no, I was one of one of the yeah. first parents to stay longer term. I think is is probably the the overview of, of that. It's period. so sad because I've got I've got so many examples of friends that um, you know have either been kind of pushed out of certain roles because they've gone down to part time or um, haven't been able to go part time because they've asked this asked the school um, and the school have just blanket said no like not even tried to kind of negotiate or give you know some kind of flexibility at all um and so uh, you know it's really it's actually quite sad because obviously we have children and we're still te- you know we're still teachers we still like you said before like I still want to use my brain like I still want to um be a teacher and like kind of do those types of things and 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 be an intellectual at the same time as being a mother like and dedicating my time to being a mother and I think it's really hard to get that balance and I think it probably leads really nicely into our last question which is um 
what is your advice to institutions to make them these life friendly schools? Because um, we've worked at multiple different schools and I would say that the school I'm currently at, at is is pretty life friendly. Like I actually feel quite comfortable. Like if I want if I felt, you know, I wanted to go and ask for part time, I don't think that they would like poo-poo the idea and be like, absolutely not, which in my old school would have been the case. Um mm -hmm. uh, yeah, what what's your advice to institutions to try and make them more life friendly, um, especially for parents, of yeah. course. I think essentially, um, because of the way schools work, it, flexibility is really, really important. Um, mm. And including in that the option of part time, but flexibility in terms of creative ways of doing flexibility, like late starts, early finishes, working from home days, compressed days. There's all sorts of ways to to make a timetable work flexibly. And just mm. as a shout out, there's a whole program called the Flexible Working Ambassador Schools and Maps that's DfE funded that's supporting schools to do that. So if flexibility is sort of top on your agenda. Google flexible working in education. Um, but I think a question for senior leaders is if if staff can't do their job between the hours of a, of a typical working day, and I know we start earlier, so let's say eight until five, then then the school is not life friendly because the fact is that, and this is part of the reason we use family friend uh, life friendly rather than family friendly is that if you have any sort of caring responsibilities, mm -hmm. when you when you are in the building, you are working, or when you are having your work from home day, you are working, and you're child-free in order to focus your energies on work. Mm -hmm. The minute you go home, you are taking on another job, you're taking on another role, which yep. means you, you often physically cannot be doing anything to do mm -hmm. work. But why do we need to get to the point where we have something very concrete, i.e. a baby or a child that's preventing us from, from working until 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night, all the way through the weekend, Saturdays, when actually our, our colleagues who are child-free by choice or otherwise, or don't yet have families, uh, they might do in the future, they should be able to finish their working day and go and have a drink with their friends, uh, go to the gym, look after their own mental health, have a puppy, um, because we're not when one we're not paid to work 24 hours a day and uh, two, <laughs> we're also we're also not contracted in a way that um some industries i mean i'm thinking, I'm thinking of the military i'm thinking of the police i'm thinking of the firefighters are contracted to understand that there may be you know days when they have to work pull 12 hour shifts for the safety of the people that they look after so um yeah if you're if you're for, if there's anything stopping your school from requiring your staff to work from point X to point Y, a reasonable working day, then address those factors. Um, and that might be things like workload. It might be things like behavior. It might be things like um, lack of part time or flexibility within within the, the school day. It's my first first sort of advice. And then the second is review all of your policies. Mm. And because a lot of them, a lot of schools won't even know about their pregnancy and maternity policies and what it says in there, their adoption policies, um, yeah. their absence policies that often penalise women in a way that they don't penalise men if they don't have paid dependence leave, what their cover policies say, whether they have a workload policy, what their gender pay gap review says and is indicating. So those sort of um, boring paper policy documents that sit somewhere and nobody does anything about potentially 
actually getting a handle with them and saying, you know, what what are the outliers and what are the rules of, of being in this school when it comes to being a parent and a teacher or a, or a human being and a teacher and are the working conditions that we're entitled to. And if any of those policy documents smack as unfair or exclusive in any way, start thinking about what you can do to to change them. Um, yeah, I, I think you've given some amazingly useful advice. And obviously, because you run your project, that that advice is ongoing, which is brilliant. Um, you know, it's not something that you kind of just give advice and then you just leave alone. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> like in that, which is which is great. I mean, I've given Jenny's number to um, a previous friend before that was wondering about like maternity um parental shared leave um and so yeah so I, I always know like, I've got Jenny in the, on the minds going like you know she's an advocate for this like get her on the and one thing I was going to say there um especially if you know any people that kind of run schools or institutions are listening when you said and I wrote it down because I thought we need to put this like as a quote in the show notes when you were saying you know if you are running a school and everyone can't get their job done mm. in eight to five that's a very simple test that you are not running a life-friendly yeah. school. And it's mm-hmm. like, I think a lot of schools would not currently pass that test, which no, shows you they not. do need to look at their policies and they do need to look at how they're doing workload because there is, for me, I think so much of it is this idea that, oh, you didn't go into teaching for the money, it's a vocation, all these things that are just essentially shaming us into trying to work for free. Yeah, it's the yeah, guilt, it's the guilt. Yeah. You definitely, you definitely get guilted into things, uh, feeling a certain type of way that you have to give your everything, your all, all the time in teaching. It's like, well, I am a human as well, like, and I do have like a life outside of teaching. Like, I am a teacher and I love being a teacher, but um, I mean, and we've said this in quite a few of our podcast episodes so far, Jenny. But there's like to be a happy teacher, it's not just about being in a great school. Like, you also have to be happy outside of school and like all of this stuff that we've been talking about makes you happier outside of school which ultimately makes you happier inside of school um when you're there um and so we always like to end off with uh get in the bin um which is jenny's little phrase for something that we don't quite agree or we don't quite like and we feel like should need to be thrown away um and we asked you emma to think of something that you'd like to get in the bin I was mulling between uh, something enormous and something much more um, sort of trivial but impactful. I'll go with the trivial. Well, you know, I want the motherhood penalty to get in the bin, but we need like at least three other episodes to talk through the motherhood penalty. But so my get in the bin is the phrase, enjoy those precious moments, often followed up by they won't last for long or time goes by so fast oh yeah um and I think <laughs> I used to hate them when I was on leave um firstly because I was like you know I don't enjoy every one of these precious moments actually like no I don't I don't enjoy being pooped on in a public place when I've got nothing or vomited on on the tube in rush hour when I've got got nothing to do no I'm not enjoying this. It's not a precious moment for me. And that sort of, again, that shaming and that guilting of parents to be like, you're not present or, you know, having a precious enough time. <laughs> um, and it's sort of in, in that narrative of, you know, you chose this. Um, so deal with every single thing with a smile on your face and don't complain, which is just not realistic. Um, and I think as well, the, you know, followed up by time goes so fast. <laughs> 
I know it gets fast. It's one of those phrases like, probably in the last place you left it when you had you drove last something like yes it probably is isn't it, it probably is, yeah. I would have found it by now um because I think you you know when, when you're thinking god time's going so fast time going so, you're, you're just panicking constantly about not being present enough or not enjoying the moment enough rather than being like this moment is so great last moment was also so great next moment also wonderful you know so those two phrases, and I think also there's um there's an implication or a sort of um, a pressure in enjoy these precious moments because there are certain ways that society feels that you should be enjoying these precious moments. Don't worry about reading, just enjoy these precious moments, gazing and making eye contact with your baby, which is really important, really important to make eye contact with your baby and do you know poor and response, you know, the child development stuff. But also there's only so long in a day that you can gaze uninterruptedly at your baby at close range <laughs> so could I read a book for 10 minutes and enjoy that precious moment or like put the baby down and, and enjoy an adult conversation for for half an hour is could I can I enjoy my precious moments like that can I enjoy my precious moments with my baby at a conference could I please you know uh, organize a social change movement in terms of the way that we treat teachers and who become parents whilst also in with my baby because I'm enjoying that precious moment and my baby is pretty happy as well because they're three weeks old and sleeping so yeah I I am I, I am polite and I smile but I grip my teeth when everybody says oh don't worry about it just enjoy those precious moments I am I am enjoying the damn precious moments <laughs> yeah I love the precious moments but I also like to do other things as well like yeah I, and it's kind of like the thing what we're saying about like we are a teacher but we are also lots of other things it's the same with being a mother like I am a mother but I am also lots of other things I'm not only a mother I'm not just a mother like I'm not just a teacher so you know it's like Roxy, what are you saying that we can be three-dimensional I know <laughs> <laughs> we're multifaceted being Get out. People say that, like, oh, but you're just a teacher. And it's like, oh, God, you know, like, it's like, you know, it's like a mother, the mother thing. Oh, what, you're, you're, you're a mother, but, you know, like, all of these other things come afterwards. So, yeah, um, you also find that I feel quite passionately about things too, like, as well as Jenny. <laughs> so I'm a, Absolutely. A sometimes. <laughs> Um, so I'm guessing when you're saying when people say this, it might be kind of people at work as you're about to go off on your maternity leave or maybe you've had a kit day or something. So we then also like to talk about what, you know, schools or whatever institutions could do differently. So get in the bin, but then go for the win, which actually that was Emma that came up with the go for the win. So thank you, Emma. Um, but what would you replace it with then? So the go for the win is you don't like that. What would you rather happen um uh open-ended questions yeah. yeah what's going on with you right now Good. yeah 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 mm-hmm. that's like how yeah. is your paternity leave going it's rather so than beautiful. are you having a lovely time <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't want a closed question or a statement of like something i just want an open-ended like genuine interaction with somebody when I see them like you know whatever point oh my god Emma it's been so lovely speaking to you thank you so much honestly oh that was in unison Jenny well done (laughs) (laughs) we're just so connected (laughs) 
Um, no, thank you so much. Honestly, it's been really lovely to meet you um, myself because obviously I've never met you before. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really glad that you came. You're you're our first very first guest, so I'm really happy to have you as our very okay. first guest. Yeah, thank you. And oh. just to say as well, um, a lot of the things that Emma's been talking about. So obviously we'll have links to the MTPT project, yeah. also okay. the kind of ambassador schools, and um, all those things will be in the show notes as well. Yeah, love a link. Thanks, Emma. No worries at all. Thank you so much. Bye.